So the question I'm going to ask you all is, will a draw be a good result on Saturday? I don't think it will be a draw. I think we will either lose 1-0 or we will beat them quite comfortably. I, I don't see any other outcome from this apart from... Like, us scoring the first goal is so, so, so critical. If we can get a goal, we, we will probably win. I feel like I'm in this is actual collapse if we Arsenal go one collapse. If we go one collapse. If we go one Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back at another disappointing day on the road are Jamie McDonald. Jamie, you, you missed the game live, but you did watch a stream. How was your experience on Saturday and how are you doing? Uh, I never miss a game, but if I had to miss one, I'm not overly all gutted that there was that one. So yeah, it wasn't a great game, but we moved. Reese Haldane's here. Reese, you were at? The Caledonian Stadium on Saturday. Did you have a nice day? No, it was it was very demoralising, but it's a feeling that we've not been too familiar with this season with Thistle, but we know all too well that can creep up on you. Yeah, it definitely can. And David Forrest is here. David, you were with me in the car on Saturday. How are you? I'm good. I was glad I was able to shave my 15-hour journey from to Stranraer and back down to a lean 10-and-a-half-hour journey uh, to watch us get beat on Saturday. Um, I nearly ended up in the home end, which I can't think of anything that would have been worse than sitting at a fucking home end um, when I, I accidentally buying the, the wrong ticket for those goals. Um, yeah, so uh, a mixed bag. You might have got some peace and quiet in the way in, to be fair. Um, we'll start by... <laughs> We'll start by just looking at the the starting eleven as we always do. I think maybe the most notable thing was Cammy Smith keeping his place ahead of Zach Rudden. Rudden was obviously away with the the Scotland under twenty ones and also in defence, Lewis Mayo come back into the team with Akinola moving out to the, the right hand side of the back four. Reese, I'll come to you first. Were you happy with the starting eleven on Saturday? I must admit I was surprised when I seen it. I thought Rudden would have been back in from the start. Um I didn't think Cammy Smith was overly impressive against Stranraer. So when I seen him in the lineup, fair enough, I, I do think he's a good player. Um, and I was impressed with him at the weekend, actually. Um, he, had, he, made, he made a lot of good chances and he was looking lively throughout. I noticed he's really good at picking the ball up in the middle of the park and just going for surging runs with it. And he'd done it a few times and we were unlucky not to score from a couple of them. So in terms of him starting, I was pretty happy with his performance. He, didn't, he hasn't done himself any bad, put it that way. So, if he was to start next week, I wouldn't be against it. But when you take Rudden outside, you are, you are losing a bit of that dynamic duo that you've got up top with himself and Graham. Jamie, were you happy with the team on Saturday? And what did you make of the, the first half performance? We'll start with that. I mean, I was glad we kept in Akinola. I wanted to see him retain his place after two impressive performances. I was happy to see Mayo returned into the back line. But, however, seeing as we've just gone with one recognised striker, 
Cammy Smith, like we said, I don't think he was overly impressive against Dran Raw, so I was kind of surprised he was in the lineup. I'm not sure if McCall maybe wanted to rest Rudden because he didn't feel he had enough in the tank following international duty or something, I'm not sure. But it was definitely noticeable that we missed him. I mean, we missed Rudden's link-up play with Graham, his hold-up play, his willingness to do the dirty work, willingness to get out wide and put some balls in the box. Yeah, we definitely did miss him, and I really hope he does start against Kilmarnock because with that duo we have up front, along with a duo in midfield with Doc and uh, Banzo, to probably two of the best partnerships in the league. Yeah, we talked about partnerships quite a lot last season and how important they were to be formed. And I think you make a good point with the running Graham one. I think that was Graham's weakest game of the season so far. And I th- don't think it was any surprise it was without Rudden. So I next him and doing a lot of the running for him because I think Rudden's running stats this season have been really impressive. And I think that's why he's been subbed off uh, often as well, just because he's been putting so much running in. And you saw we were maybe a wee bit blunt in the attack on Saturday. David, what did you think of the performance on the whole? Yeah, the, the game was a bit of a strange run. I think 3-1 definitely flattered Inverness a little bit. We definitely were the stronger team in the first half. Realistically, we should have ended the game with the Graham chance. If Graham scores, that makes it 2-0. We, we, we pretty much go on to win it. But it was 1-0. And it seems to be... I, I noticed this. This happened against our Brof as well, where team come out in the second half, all G'd up and get a goal against us to pull it back. We've done this so many times to teams last season. This was one of our calling cards of just lining up second half and absolutely going for the throw straight away, and teams couldn't handle it. And we've had it twice now away where people have been doing that to us. And it's a really interesting dynamic to see that this is something we were doing to teams, albeit teams of lesser quality than the championship last season. But it was such a good calling card for ourselves. And it seems to be that we've been a little bit found out on that and that people have seen that we've done that. And they're like, right, we need to go for the throat um, against Thistle. And we seem to be falling into the same traps that the teams we played against last season did. And it was very strange. I mean, we considered a 25-yard that he cut Broadfoot. I never thought I'd say that in my life, right? And the the, the Snedden goal, it's... It is one of those. Um, I, I have my feelings on it. Um, I have my feelings on Sneddon in general, but it was just when it went to 2-1, you're like, right, we, we kind of chucked this. Maybe we can get something. I think McCall said that when it went to 2-1, literally before he was priming substitutions on the basis that it's one each and we're going to go for it to make it 2-1. And then he scored and it was kind of like, all right, well, what do we do now? And then they scored to make it 3-1 a couple of minutes later or whatever. And it just totally threw us and we just did not look like getting back in the game at all. It, we've, I thought we played okay until the second goal went in and then after that we kind of just floundered about. And um, yeah, it was it was a bit concerning. Please, do you have any advances on the performance? Was it okay? First half, I thought we were excellent. And you know the thing is, like, every player to a man was brilliant we looked so hungry to win the ball just everything about it was a really impressive performance and I remember at half time at Abroth just before they scored I said the exact same thing to my mate like, we look like we want to win every ball we're hungry this season we look a lot different and for the first time in a long time the Thistle players looked proud to play for Thistle and all, all these buzzwords were being said at half time everyone was buzzing everyone was lo- looking forward to the prospects of the season fans were shouting top of the league and you're no blah 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 and at that moment, at the back of my head, I was just like, this is our broth, our broth all over again. The exact same thing. 
as soon as they went one each, as David said, fuck, it's an embarrassing goal to lose, just letting Broadfoot walks past you all and then a P-roller from 20-odd 20, 20 yards into the bottom corner. As soon as that went in, I turned to a guy next to me and went, this is our bro, we're going to collapse. He's like, nah, 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 we won't collapse, we can't collapse here. And I'm just saying, I'm telling you. And you couldn't have wrote a more similar script, a goalkeeper howler to put them ahead as well. Just, <laughs> it's honestly deja vu. I know we'll come on to the keeper situation in a wee while, but Sneddon, man, it's, it's getting tough to stick up for them. Like, it's not the first time. Fair enough, Harry Stone's had one really bad game for us, but it's been multiple times for Sneddon now, and it's probably the worst goalkeeper howler I've seen. I've seen a lot of bad keepers for us in that time. I'm not saying Sneddon's a bad keeper, but the mistakes he makes are, are woeful. That, why did, I don't understand. He's obviously misjudged the flight of the ball, but why not catch it? Do you know what I mean? Like, why not do something to put him off? It was, it was bonkers. And it's a shame because he made a, a world-class save in the first half. If, like, you remember the header from Manny Duku and he's tipped onto the bar. That was outstanding. Any keeper in the world makes that and there's highlight packages of it. But that goes for nothing when you make a howler like that. In terms of the performance, we had nothing second half. The second half just got away from us. And we, we, we do this thing where we can't ride the spell from other teams. Like Our teams, will, in any game of football, a team will have a 10-15 minute spell. And multiple times this season, Arbroath, Dunfermline at home in the Cup and at the weekend, where teams will batter us for 5-10 minutes and we collapse. Um, I think their second and third goal was in the space of five minutes. And we just can't deal with it. We just need to settle down, get ourselves back in the game. And uh, oh, McCall as well was pulling an Archie at the weekend. We had guys like Rudden and Hasty both waiting to come on. Uh, scores all, I think it was one each at a time and every, everyone was saying get rid of none since about half time we were crying out for it and he waits until we go a goal behind and you're chasing the game but first half was really good but he struggled for positive to take after two two tough away defeats in the trot in the league Jamie I know you want to talk a bit about the performance on Saturday so I'll just open that up to you but I'll also ask do you think there is a reason why we're collapsing in the second half can you put your finger on anything we sort of joked in the car back home that it, we seem to struggle in the rain, but is there anything more serious than that, do you think? Sounds like an Arsenal fan TV excuse if I've ever heard one. I agree with what's been said so far. I mean, it was, a, was kind of like deja vu with the Arbroath game. You know, we go 1-0 up. We can see that a keeper, you know, a shocking goalkeeping moment. Um, avoidable goals, to be honest. The first goal was completely avoidable. I know um, Sned probably should do better with it. I don't know if he's blindsided or not, but it was hard to tell on the stream. But the way everyone backs off Broadfoot, no one goes towards him. He just gives him room to shoot, and it's a, it's a terrible shot, to be honest. It's, you know, it's a trundler in the corner. It shouldn't be going in. Then we can see that the, the Sned go. I mean, they don't have words for it. So, you know, can see consecutive ridiculous keeper bonders on the roads. You know, two weeks or two away days running just makes it so much worse. Like, it's, it, I have no words for it. I don't know what he was trying to do. I don't know if he was trying to catch it or then head it, but he just lets it bounce over him. There was multiple things he could have done. He didn't even need to come out for it at the angle it was at because no one was in the box. And if he was going to shoot from there, I doubt he would have gone in unless he hit an unbelievable shot. So it's, I don't know what's happening there. But on the third goal, I've not watched I've not watched the highlights back. I've just seen Sneddon's goal. Uh, sorry, no, not Sneddon's goal. Sneddon's blunder, rather, on Twitter. But the third goal, I think it was a good finish, but probably could have shut it down better. You can see two goals in three minutes is really poor. It's just such a frustrating game to watch. Inverness were there for the taking, especially in that first half. Brian Graham's had that huge chance. He's usually you know, the ever-reliable striker for us, but just you know doesn't hit the back of the net when he knows he, he, knows he should have. 
and that probably would have that would have been the game for me. I think I don't think Inverness would come back from two goals. I think we could have got on top of them and maybe score more, but we didn't take that chance. We invited pressure. We allowed them back into the game, and ultimately we paid for it with or without the howler. We did not play well enough in that second half, and it was just really frustrating to see. Well, we'll move on to the goalkeeping situation then, because I think it's the the big talking point at the moment. I know we've all said on the podcast, basically since the middle of July, since before Harry Stone came in, that we'd like to have seen a more experienced goalkeeper come in and sort of help Snedden out in that aspect, a bit like Paul Gallagher did with Scott Fox uh, seven or eight years ago. That was the sort of thing we were looking for. Obviously, we were all happy when Harry Stone came in. His reputation was good. He's... In Scotland youth teams, he did a good loan spell at Albion Rovers last season and he's highly rated at Hearts. But I think we are in a situation now where we're we're struggling in that position. In my opinion, I tweeted on Saturday night, you have to stick with Jamie Snen. I think that's the right thing to do. He's our player. We've developed the player for four or five years. I think if you drop him now, you'd be as well releasing him and letting him go. I think if you drop him now, there's probably no way back just from a confidence point of view. And on top of that, if you bring Harry Stone in, you're going to bring in a goalkeeper to the team who's also going to be low on confidence, low on match practice. So from that perspective, I think you have to stick with Snedden and I don't think it's a perfect situation because there's no defending Snedden at the weekend. You've all covered it. It was a horrendous mistake. But I just think you're going to bring in a young goalkeeper who's low on confidence, who's not your player, if you're going to do that, you might as well stick with your own player in the hope that he will improve. Because as you've you've also pointed out, he made an excellent save in the first half. That was a tremendous save. And we've seen um, throughout the last couple of years that he is a goalkeeper capable of great saves. And one last thing before I, I open this up, Jamie Snedden's best games and best runs of form for us have come when he has had weeks and weeks in the team in a row you think back to the end of the 19th season with Gary Caldwell and you think of that save down at Palmerston on the last day of the season. A magnificent save. But what happens in that summer? We bring Scott Fox in. His place is up for debate again. When really that should have been him being nailed down as the number one. And then you think at the end of last season, he equaled the club's clean sheet record. He was brilliant in the run-in to winning League One last season. And then what happens in the summer? We bring Harry Stone in. And again, the number one jersey's up for debate. He's never had a, a run longer than seven or eight weeks at number one. And I think if we want him to be the number one, if McCall wants him to be the number one, now's the time he's got to back him and hope they can replicate the form that he's shown in the past. So, Reese, you, you mentioned your, you've got concerns about Snedden. What would you do on Saturday in the goalkeeping position? Well, I've said it back when we, when we had this debate last I wouldn't have dropped Harry Stone. I'd have started him in the next game after his mistake. Because as you say now, we've got this situation. Two young keepers, low in confidence. And if you kept if you kept backing Stone after his mistake, you've still only got Sned and it's low in confidence. Now both of them are equally as low. And I, I know the other week I said you've got to stick with Snedden now. But enough's enough, mate. Like Snedden is a good shot stopper. He's a decent keeper, but he's so prone to a mistake. And I'm I'm confident in saying this right now. Harry Stone will have a better career than Jamie Snedden. Jamie Snedden's approaching 25 now. It's young for a keeper, but he's not a youngster anymore. Do you know what I mean? Harry Stone's just turned 19, I think. And to be honest, Harry Stone's had one bad game for us. You look at the Dunfermline game, he was excellent. He was really good in the St Mirren game. For me, I'd go back to Harry Stone. I know we're chopping and changing it, but I'd go back to Harry Stone and stick with Harry Stone. 
And I know you're saying if you drop Sneddon now, you're just just you're just as well as releasing him. And to be honest, I think he will be away at the end of the season. And it's a shame because he's a good shot stopper on that. But you've no time for sentiment. Do you know what I mean? Like, and me and my eyes, he's always been an improvement on Ryan Scully. He's a good goalkeeper, but he's no enough to take you to that next level. If Harry Stone was our player, I'd be I'd be fairly confident that he could go to the next level. But I think. Harry Stone's got the better keeper, so you stick with him just now and you go again in the summer, you bring someone in the summer. Obviously, it's all, it's all over with now. I've, I've told you that we were close to signing David Mitchell, the Clyde keeper, in the summer. And then at the last minute, Clyde told us they wanted a, a higher fee and Fussell obviously backed out. He's at Hibs now, so that's that's in the bin. I don't know if we'll go in for him next summer or if we might even try and take him in on loan in January, but we'll wait and see. Um it's a horrible decision and I hate to say it but Sneddon's it's not up to it because he is so prone to a mistake we've seen one mistake from Harry Stone and it was it was a bad day at the office a really bad day but Sneddon's prone to them every five six games and I know you say he does need to build up a, a wee run of games to get going but yes he's prone to a hurler. yeah I don't, I don't disagree that Stone will have a, a better career than Sneddon I think um, that looks likely given their career trajectory, but I just as you, as you said, like I, I run a games first, and then you might see the best of them. David, what do you think? Would you stand on the goalie position? It's incredibly difficult. I I kind of take a like when pe- people were going off their, their heads on Saturday about both our keepers are useless. We don't have any keepers and, you know, making ludicrous things that signing Mark Rogers and stuff like that and all that. And even when I went to the Mary Hill game yesterday, the, the chat was all about, we don't have a goalkeeper. Someone was like, can we sign an emergency goalkeeper if they're not injured? That that sort of pattern. I'm like, I mean, they are quite bad mistakes, right? That's fair enough. As well as that this is the championship. You know, every team has players who make mistakes that realistically they shouldn't be making in this. And to be honest, it, it was in the last couple of weeks, Sned has pulled out some of the most incredible saves that I've seen and has bailed us out on multiple occasions and cost us at the same time. Similar to, you know, Cherney made mistakes and bailed us out with daft saves at time as well. I'm not saying Sned is Cherney, obviously, um, but I, I, I don't know. It, it's really, really tough. I think I, I'm, he's, he's not Janley to Buffon, right? We know this. But he is still a good keeper, and even though he's made mistakes, like I mean, the the, the goal on Saturday was, I mean, it, it was it was ludicrous, but it was a, it was an error at the end of the day, and and you hope it's an error that he doesn't make again, and I don't know. I, again, if you uh, you're right, if you just drop Sneddon, and I don't think he will be dropped. I think McCall said as much as Sneddon gets a Kelly game, um, and his interview, you you kind of need to stick with him and. Again, the problem is, is if you get, if you if you get rid of him and bring in Stone, you're bringing in a much younger keeper who is also low in confidence and has also had made mistakes of herself. So why not just stick with the keeper that you've got? Because you know they're they're both making mistakes. Either way, that that's going to happen. I I don't know. Just unsettling it again. It's just I think it's going to cause us issues, especially against the Kilmarnock game. I would be giving Sneddon the Kilmarnock game at the very least and keeping a bit of faith in him because let's be honest we've not showed him that much faith in terms of keeping the jersey over the last couple of seasons um i i would be keeping Sneddon in jamie any fresh takes on the goalkeeping situation who would you have in on saturday 
I mean, it's difficult because both players have made an awful mistake in the last two games, or the last game. And I was one to say we should drop Harry Stone because if it had been Snedden, he would be dropped immediately if he'd made this mistake Harry Stone did. He's now made a mistake that's even worse. So I feel like a hypocrite saying not to drop him, but we I feel we do need to have a consistent run of goalkeeper and stop chopping and changing. And for that reason, I would say stick with Stedden for the next game. But I mean, it's, it's, if he has another atrocious performance against Kamara, which I definitely don't want, then it has to go back to Harry Stone. I think it's definitely one of these decisions you're glad you don't need to make it. And it's one of them you're glad it's on Ian McCall. So um, it is a, a tough one, but I think I'm with Snedden as well at the moment. Earlier this week, David caught up with Alan, a Kelly fan, about Saturday's game at Fur Hill. Kelly fan to discuss Saturday's game against Kilmarnock at Farhill. Alan, how are you doing? I'm not bad. How are yourself? Good stuff. I'm excited for I'm excited for Saturday's clash. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good game. Um, so just want to talk about Kilmarnock. How, how what your general thoughts about Kilmarnock so far? Are you happy with where they are? What's the general mood amongst the fan base? So it's it's hard to be in a worse position than we were for most of last season. To to put that bluntly. Um, without trying to sound like an arrogant big club supporter, we, we shouldn't be in the championship, especially because with the squad that we had last year, was still a good squad, but for one reason or another, they just didn't play together. So the whole squad overhaul in the summer, it was exciting. Um, I think there's still maybe one or two pieces missing or we're relying on one or two players more than we should be at this point. A lot of our wins have been scrappy wins so far in the sense that like we, we beat Morton not by luck, but by Rory McKenzie scoring his one goal of the season. And, like, watching it, because I, I work most Saturdays, so I miss, like, the games, so I just catch the highlights. And even in the highlights, it just seems like we're still trying to find our feet, in a sense. It's a, it's a weird situation to be in. But we're also, we beat the teams you're expecting us to beat, but sometimes it's just the scrappiest games you could possibly imagine. Chris Burke's one way are, he's probably our best player, but also he's the wrong side of 30. So it's something they'd be looking to kind of phase out. So I think the mood amongst the fans is, from what I see in the forums, it's, it's kind of split 50-50 with fans that are understanding that it's going to take a bit of time for the team to come together. You can't just throw 17 or how many signings we made, well, players together and expect them just to instantly click. And the other half is fans that are kind of sitting there and getting raging because we're not scudding teams 5 6 now when we've never been that team anyway, when we're on the top flight. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And yeah, I think there was, there was certainly, we were very much, I think there was an expectation of ourselves like that when we were in the championship the first time round, of being, we've been an established Premier League club for like five years. Obviously, it's not nothing compared to the you know, Kilmarnock's tenure or whatever, but we, we'd kind of established ourselves and then we went into the championship and I think there was an expectation amongst a lot of the fan base that go, our oh, championship's shite. 
we'll we'll absolutely turn these teams over. And then you, it turns out it's not. And especially when you've been in a club in a crisis, to then have to try and turn that round and put, uh, you know assess who you want to keep and who you want to bring in and then make them gel and stuff like that, it is very, very tough. Um, I think the, the, the three at the top, us, Inverness and Kelly, are kind of breaking out a little bit and are maybe looking at themselves to be contenders for the title. Do you do you foresee it being a three-way battle? Do you how how do you think that it's going to shape out? I mean, obviously the Inverness loss was very was a a big a big blow for yourselves. Do you feel that it, it's going to have an effect? So I don't think it's going to have as much as an effect as some other fans think. Um, it was a quite a in typical Kilmarnock fashion, quite a scrappy game caused by a goal that or a loss that was caused by a goal that maybe should have been kept, like the goalkeeper should have done better. Mm-hmm. But it's not as if we were played off the park. Um, Inverness, it's the same as kind of like what Queen of the South did in the, the game before as well, where they, it's not that they targeted Chris Burke, but they knew that a lot of our play would go to Chris Burke. So you're sitting with maybe two two men in Chris Burke and the team still try to fire stuff to Burke because we didn't have Burke against um, Morton and against Falkirk in the the Diddy Cup and the team looked a little bit better in terms of the league our both scare me but I don't know if our both are going to keep it up full time but just like in the run of form that they've had recently we play them I think it's a couple of weeks time mm-hmm. we're the, the Friday game so I think Partick to, uh, and Saturday and our both that's, that's the two kind of biggest tests that we've got just now because one's part like Partick you, you'd expect us to to put up a good fight and then our both the team were realistically with the form that they're in they, and they're at home as well like they could get something out of it but in terms of the full season I think you're pretty much right on it's going to be come down to us Inverness and, and yourselves and it's just, a ma- it's just a matter of who really manages the squad better I think Inverness going with Billy Dodds as the manager might be the downfall because he's never been in a end of the season fight the way that Tommy Wright has or the way that Ian McCall has but also he's not really got that kind of expectation on him I'd say like if Inverness don't go up this season it'll be a bit of a blow but when you look at the squad and the recruitment they've done you could kind of go well I they've got Kurt Broadfoot's captain they've got Billy Dodds as manager it's not really one that you'd think that's the squad that's going to go up as champions or go up through the playoffs yeah oh, you obviously mentioned Chris Burke um, earlier I think it, it, there seems to be a bit of a parallel with ourselves and Scott Tiffany in that way whereby the start of the season, Scott Tiffany was having like three men marking him because everybody knew that a lot of the play went through it and if they could kind of neutralise them, they made it a lot tougher for themselves. So I think there's a bit of a parallel with that um, there. Is there any other players you think that will be key against uh, Fiscal for Kelly? So it depends if he's fit, but I think Scott Robinson could be a bit of a danger because he's, he's been having injury problems since we signed him. Um, but the game that he played against Hamilton, I think he came off the bench in that game and scored two goals in something like 15 minutes. So if he's on the pitch and he's creating stuff, I think that will be a kind of danger spot. Um, our midfield, uh, not our midfield, our defence is really good as well, with the exception of Sanders, who started it against Morton. And it's not that Sanders isn't good, it's just that he's a bit untested. Whereas you're looking at like Jason Naismith and Ewan Murray, and they are good defenders. Um, if Chris Stokes was fit, I think the, the reason we're having quite scrappy games as well is because our defence is a little bit unsure at times because they don't really have the leadership that Chris Stokes has been bringing. So 
if I were to kind of point out people, it'd probably be Scott Robinson and Jason Naismith because Naismith's popping up as well. I think this season's already his highest goal-scoring season and we're about 10 games in collectively. When we were in the, in the Premier League, alongside maybe Hamilton, we probably seen Kilmarnock as being our biggest rivals. There was kind of a bit of a rivalry. I remember there was um, a, a frack at the train station after the game and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Proper football factory stuff. Do Kelly fans like? Do they have any? Do they care about playing Thistle? Is it one that you look forward to, or is it just another game like Queen of the South or, or whoever? If you know what I mean. I think it. I think in a case like that, it comes down to who you ask. It's not from what I've seen. It's not something where like an Air United game, like. Air United being the first game of the season for us was massive mm-hmm. because it really got the fan base because it was quite fractured the fan base obviously with how the season had went before but having Air at home and then beating them in the kind of decisive way that we did we kind of shut them down most of the game when it comes to Partick I think some people see it as like a big a big rivalry and something that they look forward to other folk will just see it as a day out really and then there's, there's going to be some fans that go, I'm not really that fussed about it all. I need to ask, because I have a Kelly fan on, do, What what is the situation with the Kelly pie, Farago? We've heard it is a Kelly pie, it's not a Kelly pie. What What's going on? So it's a, it goes back to when Michael Johnson was the kind of big chief of the club. Um, he fell out with Brownings, I guess, because they were advertising it as a Kelly pie and they were linking it to the football and Michael Johnson just woke up one morning and was like, no, I'm not a fan of that. So they got into a legal battle, and the pie's name was forced to be changed to the Kilmarnock pie. Obviously, that was as, kind of as much as Michael Johnson could argue, because Browns is like based in Kilmarnock, so they can just go then, like, well, we're naming it after the town. Mm-hmm. Um, so years go by, Michael Johnson finally, thankfully, gets ran out of the club, um, and Billy Bowie takes over. And somewhere along the lines, we are now sponsored by Browns. Which is, I love telling that story because it's just so stupid. It's like peak Scottish football where you're going from the club's suing a bakery over the name of a pie to the club's being sponsored by the same bakery. So I think they just keep it as a commandment pie because they sell them in like Aldi and everything now. So I think it's just a case of they just stick with the name because it's going to cost too much to like rebrand it and everything. Mm. But yeah, it just comes down to our old, old chairman who never really liked anything to do with Kilmarnock to the point where I, I've never understood why he was in charge but he was anyway um, he just fell out with Brownings one morning and was and that was that so you can confirm it is and not in name but in pie you would get a Kelly pie as, as we would know it oh yeah the pie never changed it was only the name that changed like the pie's the exact same Really, we, right? So because it, it, this is this is one of the things. This is it's one of the magical things about Scottish football, and that so many rumours flying about about oh they get different pies, and then like um you know you, you give you, you, they give you a pie, and you taste and go ah doesn't it taste right? They've changed their pies. That's terrible, and they haven't. And it's just it's, it's all in your head. It's sort of, yeah. Um, but no, that's good to know that um, you can get a, a, a Kilmarnock pie, yes, I'm now legally obliged to call it, um, when we go to Kilmarnock later on um, in this season. Um, they also do a really, I don't know if they sell them in match days, but they also, Brownings do a pretty good sweet potato and korma pie for any kind of vegan folk out there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, solidarity with our vegan brothers. <laughs> um, we are a Fizzle podcast after all, so we have to play up to the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Two predictions from yourself then. So, how do you think Kilmarnock and Fissel's seasons are going to pan out? Do you see both going up? Who's winning the title? How do you think it's going to play out? 
I think it's going to run quite parallel um, in terms of I think we'll both keep picking up results, but there's going to be games where we don't get the results that necessarily we should. There will always be games where you're, you're dropping points to an area night or you're dropping points to, to Morton or something like that. Uh, I'd like to think that we'll go up um, as champions. I think that overall with the squad that we've got, and I think we've still got a fair bit of money left back for January, um, especially after the whole Jamie Gull and stuff at the, the end of the transfer window. I think we've got money to where if there's kind of spaces in the squad come January that the management team's going to look at it and go, right, we need to get X, Y and Z. With how Partick are playing, I could see them definitely in the playoffs and then try to predict a playoff in any sport, especially in the Scottish Championship. Is It's not a fun activity, but it's just one of those things. If, if they get into the playoffs and if, if they finish kind of second, you're, you're really looking, if you're, if you're going into the playoffs, if that's what you're aiming for, you're looking for second because you've not really got that as many games to play as compared to what finishing fourth. Um and then I think with the playoffs, it's going to depend who the team that finishes in 11th is. Um, realistically, yeah, probably Partick could go up if they keep it up. Because having a look at who's up in the Premier League just now, it's it's not really looking great. Um, but it's just one of those things you can never really truly tell. Absolutely. And um, a score prediction for Saturday? I'm going to go in classic Kilmarnock fashion. It's going to go 1-0. And I think it's going to, the goal's going to come in like the 83rd minute. And it's going to be, both sides are going to be complaining about how, how they're playing. And then, like, Kilmarnock will score and Kilmarnock fans will still celebrate because it'll be like Rory McKenzie will score or something. And I don't know if Partick have got any players where the fan base just seems to be unanimously against them. But we've got Rory McKenzie, who's been a club servant for all his career, apart from like one season he was out in loan at Brecon. And the fans just don't take to him a lot of the time. And I don't really know what he's done wrong because he's, he's everything you could really ask for. And a player, he shows up, he's quite quite a workman and occasionally pop up where a goal or an absolute screamer. Because there was one Dundee United he scored, scored against Dundee United last season that was my goal of the season. Despite the fact that Kelly were terrible for the rest of the season. But I just, I feel like it will be one of those kind of games where it will be quite back and forth and it will just take like a lucky break or something. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Alan, uh, for joining us today. Um, and good luck for the rest of the season, apart from when you're playing us. <laughs> good, aye, good luck to Partick, apart from when they're playing Kelly, at which point I'm wishing them all the worst. move on I think Reese touched on um Rudden being a miss from the start on Saturday there so we'll have a wee look ahead to the Kilmarnock game on Saturday what changes would you like to see to the team Jamie I'll start with you on this one would you like to see Rudden come back into partner Graham or would you like to see Cammy Smith keep his place on Saturday I want to see Rudden come back into the team I definitely do not think Cammy Smith's had a bad game I thought he was pretty decent against Everness in that first half. He 
some good link up play. I'm just trying to, you know, do well, get forward. I thought Tiff was probably our, definitely our best player, and I thought Turner was decent going forward as well that day. But I wanted to go stick with four four two, keep the same back line. I'd say I wouldn't change that about. Just in the middle, have Tiff on the left, Turner on the right, with Doc and Banning in the middle, and Graham and Rudden up front. Quite similar to the what we've played for most of the season so far. I want to keep that. David, I'll come to you on this one. The back four on Saturday it was Akinola at right back, Foster at left back. Uh, with Holt and Mayo uh, returning at the middle of the defence. Obviously, Mayo had missed the last couple of games. Would you like to see the same back four? We've got a couple other options now. Shea Gordon's filled in at right back. We've got Stephen Hendry. And as a left back, what do you see the defence shaping up like in the next couple of weeks? Um, it's a bit of a tough one. I'm excited to see Stephen Hendry. Um, I think that... He, he he seems like the sort of quintessential McCall player. He, you know, has a point to prove, can really add something to the team. And um, I would like to see him get a go. It is also that thing of going, <laughs> it's one of the most pivotal games of our season. Arguably the most pivotal at to this point. And for quite a while, it will be a huge. Do you really want to be sticking in a new player um, in there at that time? I'd probably stick with the same back four. Maybe if, depending on how the game is going, try and get Hendry on later on to get a few minutes with that. I think Akinola's been great. He, again, he, he was he was really, really good um, in the first half on Saturday. Um, nobody really covered themselves in the glory in the second half, so I'm not going to hold that against them. I, I think the defensive the, the defensive line, I would probably keep it as is. One person I noticed who was, who was fantastic defensively as well was Stuart Bannigan. Of course he was. He's, he is every time, but he was doing a lot of the, a lot of the leg work as well coming back um, on Saturday. I've seen quite a few times him mopping stuff up. And um, yeah, I think it's nice, it's nice to have. But um, no, I'd probably keep the, the same back and forth for this game. And then you can look at rotating in like a Hendry. Or maybe a Gordon. It's difficult because uh, Gordon has kind of he's kind of wormed his way in for me to go. Ah, you could probably just keep him at right back, but he's like he's not a, he's not a natural right back. He's not his position, but I'm I'm not averse to it. But no, I'd probably just stay stay with the, the same back four and just put an emphasis and don't switch off at half time. You need to go out there and again just do what we used to do at teams in League One and just go for them you know, straight away at half time, And I think that we can kind of circumvent the issues that we had in the second half against Inverness. I think you made a good point about Bannigan there, David. He was that, he was excellent on Saturday and he always he always seems to be regardless of, of scoreline. Also in the midfield, I didn't think Ross Doherty had his best game and I know we said we missed him at our broth a few weeks ago and that's maybe one of the reasons we, we fell apart at our broth and maybe Ross Doherty not being at his best on Saturday sort of contributed to the collapse, and I'm not blaming Ross Docker, he's he obviously can't rely on one player to play well all of the time, but maybe we're in a situation where if Ross Docker plays well, the team plays well, sort of thing, and maybe that's another head scratcher for McCall. Reese, I'll come to you just again on Saturday. Are there any are there any changes you'd like to see to the team? Just quickly on Doc there, I agree 100% with what you're saying. I actually pointed that out at the time. There was one moment where he wins the ball back, and you're like, brilliant, that's what he's there for. And then he turns in on himself, pivots in, tries to beat two players and loses the ball. And I'm like, that, he's not that he's not that guy, do you know what I mean? Like, win the ball and pass it on, that's what you're good at. Like, you're doing too much of it. And I think we almost ended up conceding for it. And at times he, he is prone to doing that, but he just needs to, like, when he does what he does best, he's brilliant. He's one of the best players in the league. Just play it simple. In terms of defence, 
it's, it's, it's annoying because they were absolutely outstanding the first half. Lewis Mayo won every ball in there. What a leap he's got on him. Um, and Akinola's fine at right back. He's a good player. He can play there. But there's a difference from being able to play there, being good there, than being brilliant there. And it kind of it kills our attacking threat with him at right back. So now we've, I don't want to see Akinola dropped as such because he's been brilliant. And it, we've almost got this thing now where we've got different players for different games. Horses for courses type thing. Um, like, Akinola is brilliant for a game where like, you're trying to defend maybe and try to catch a team on the counter or whatever. Let's see when at for how when we're going for games like you need to play a more att- attacking right back that's like the Ryan Williamson type. That's what you need because Akinola is not going to give us much going forward. He's, he's strong as an ox at the back, but I don't I can't see him bombing forward much. Uh, in the coming weeks, I, I definitely think that Stephen Hendry will find his way into the starting eleven. I'm not sure what that will mean for Richard Foster. He'll probably get shifted to right back and then it's a selection headache for McCall at centre-half. Uh, in terms of the Kilmarnock game, I Rudden's got to come back in. Hopefully recreate the form that we'd seen from him and Graham before, up until now. Uh, especially the, the Dunfermline game at home, the balls he was putting in for Graham, Graham and McKenna for the goals. It was, just, it was brilliant. So, I we, we lost a lot of our attacking threat without him on the side. And... Teams, teams will be happy when they see that Zach Rudden and Brian Graham are starting together because as already been mentioned what a what a strong forward like a, a strong strike force we've got for this division Graham and Rudden you won't find you won't find any better than that in this league do you know what I mean teams will be glad when they're not playing so you get them both on the park and they'll cause, they'll cause problems even if Rudden's not necessarily putting the ball in the net every week he's he's a rat to play against you know what I mean he won't give defenders a minute's peace and he runs himself into the ground and that's all you can ask for as a fan like if your player's giving his all, fair enough, he might not score every week, but he'll do so much for the team. And he's not, he's not exactly a loose man, so or an disease. He knows where the net is, so give him that chance and he will put it away. David, I'll bring you in in a minute. I know you want to, I know you want to come in. Reese, you, you mentioned about Akinola at right back, and I don't want to get too tactical at the moment, but I was thinking McCall has sort of flirted with a back three earlier on in the season and in pre-season but that was a time when our sort of full-back options were basically just Kevin Holt and Ricky Foster now we've got like the emergence of Shea Gordon there Stephen Hendry's come in do you think a back three with uh, more attacking options at wing-back could be something we see to try and fit Holt Mayo and Akinola in? Definitely um, centre-half's one of our strongest positions we've got on the park at the minute as you say Akinola, Holt Mayo Brownlee still to come back probably for the season, but we're really strong in that department. Um, and I, that we can definitely go about trying that formation out. But as I say, I don't want to see us playing that every week, do you know what I mean? Especially for how, when there's games we need to dig in or if we need to change up to that, then I think that will definitely work. But as a whole, I don't know. I don't know if we can go with that long term, but definitely and it needs to be tried out at some point because who knows, it could be. It could be the one that just get it just clicks, and as as we've seen in the past, three centre halves with Fissel or whatever way you want to look at it, three at the back, five at the back, whatever way you see it, it actually works for us. You look at the top six season when we had uh, Lindsay Devine and Adam Barton, and you look at the when Stephen Anderson came in, it was uh, Anderson, McGinty and uh, Jack McMillan. Like it always does actually work well for Fissel. So who knows? Could be the could be the missing jigsaw piece. It's, it, it's a good position to be in when you've got those sort of options with shape, I think. David, I know you wanted to come in there. I just wanted to mention, obviously, talking about like Rudden coming in for Graham and 
uh, Cammy Smith sort of filling in from. I think the issue for Cammy Smith is that Graham and Rudden are so in tune with each other. They fire on all cylinders and they make goals. And if one of them's not scoring, the other one is, and they're creating chances and again causing havoc. Whereby Cammy Smith can have a perfectly acceptable game, but it's not going to it's it's not going to compare to what we would get with Rudden and Graham just because they are so in tune with each other and work so well. Whereby Cammy Smith has to absolutely kill himself and have a, like a 10 out of 10 game to kind of match the, the sort of effort that we're getting from Rudden and again that's nothing against Cammy Smith it's just the problem is that they are so in tune that when you take that out that partnership is so vital for us that the guy who replaces him has to work twice as hard to do it and that's why you, you always when you look at Cammy Smith you're, you know you go you know he didn't have the the, the worst game whatever but he wasn't you know he wasn't amazing and it's like you know just because of that partnership where he's always going to look a little bit of a downgrade. And again, I don't mean that as a slight in Cammy Smith, it's just the way that Rudders and Graham are together. I want to ask you all a question about the Kilmarnock game. Obviously, it was a disappointing result against the the league leaders on Saturday. We're playing another team who are up the, up the top end of the league with ourselves at the moment. If we're still thinking about title, and I know some Thistle fans maybe will roll their eyes when they hear title, if we're still thinking about title, is a win a must on Saturday? And if we're thinking about playoffs, what would constitute a good result on Saturday? Jamie, I'll bring you in with that one. I mean, it's a huge game. If we win that, we can go level on points with Kilmarnock. Um, you know, they're expected to be the favourites when they came down. You know, the probably the richest team in the league. Quite a big club for the second division, you know, second tier. So it's going to be a massive game. And when you're talking about, is it, you know how big is it for a title win, or how big is it to stay in the in chase for the playoffs? It's huge because I'm not wanting to be cynical as the club's on the up right now, and you know it's just in a good, much better place. But if we lose to come on it, that's three wins and three defeats from the opening six, and that would be the exact same as the 18-19 season where we were on three and three from the opening six. I mean, now our current squad is levels above the squad from that season, so I'm not making a direct comparison between squads, but we do not want to start letting our good start to the season slip and become an average start because it, it, there's a lot when there's momentum around the club and a real good feeling it does impact on the park you can see it look at the 12-13 season there was such a good feeling around the club at that point and the great start of the way it kept going just built up for the rest of the season and really gave us something to build on for the whole campaign so you do not want to let it slip into an average start so a big result here would go such a long way for the season I agree with what Jamie says. Of course, it's not do or die at the weekend, but if we lose, the season's done. Because we've only played, what is it, five games, this will be the sixth game or something. The, the league's still there to be won. But as Jamie said, you need to win these games to keep the confidence rolling. If we lose that, you're just like, aye, same old, same old, middle of, the, middle of the road. But if you win it, you're just looking up again. You keep the good form going, keep the good momentum going. Um, and as you said, I'd love to keep the home form going. We've not seen it for a long time, but Farhill's become a wee bit of a fortress at the minute. Touchwood, hopefully that can carry on. Last two games at Farhill, we've won comfortably um, and just hope we can see that again at the weekend. <sighs> that, I know I keep saying this, but I just don't think Kilmarnock are any great shakes. I quite like the signing of Ollie Shaw. I think he's a good player. <sighs> but there are no, no levels above anyone in this league. Fair enough when Hearts were in this league. Hearts were levels above Dungeon United. You could look at it a wee bit and say, aye, they had this player, this player, that player. But Kilmarnock, I don't get that same feeling with. And they're there to be beaten. We're at home, big pitch. Confidence is at home still. 
and I hope that we can just bounce back the same way we did against after the Arbroath game. It's not a must win, but of course, if we want to keep up the good start, we've got to go and get the three points. And to be honest with you, a point's no good. I know we're probably touching it soon. Like people always say, would you take a draw? No, I, I wouldn't take a draw for this game. We've already lost to Inverness. Get the three points from this one. David, same question to you. Yeah, I think it's it's a must-win game, obviously. And as we says, you know, a bit of a format for how it is becoming a bit of a fortress. It is in our favour. There's no reason why we can't beat Kilmarnock in the same way. There was no reason why we couldn't beat Inverness. And if it a half, we looked like we would. Um, again, I, th- I think it's just about grinding at a result. I think it's going to be a very tough game. I think we can do it. I think the the key though here is obviously talking about these being huge games. It's you know the three teams all playing each other within three weeks, and it's got a big impact on the formulation of the table. And obviously there's what like twenty nine games or thirty games to go after this, so it's it's not over and done with if we lose. And the the key though is irrespective of the result though, we need to have the right mentality coming out of this. Again, if we win this, it 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 blows it open. I, I think if we lose it. Inverness start getting a wee bit of lead. Now, the thing in the Championship, I and mean, we're most leagues outside of what, you know, the old form of the Premiership, Inverness aren't going to be the all-conquering team that go on an insane 36 game unbeaten run. They will drop points here and there from time to time. And there is there is lots of opportunities for us to kind of make up gaps and stuff like that. But you don't want teams having a six-point gap after like six games um, you, you want to kind of keep it as tight as possible and put the pressure on our team I mean look at Falkirk last year Falkirk were running away with it and we were, you know I think a lot of people were, were kind of writing off our chances and then they collapsed and I'm not saying everyone is going to have a big grand collapse because I know that the guy from the line of shuffle will actually kick my head in when you know at the end of the season uh, for any predictions that I make but I, I, I don't know Like we, we definitely need a win here but regardless of the result we we need the correct mentality. We need we need to show that we are up for the fight. The irrespective of the result, this game the game is not over, and we will absolutely keep fighting. And I think McCall's the man to do that. He can install that team spirit and get us going. But we do need a win. I'm glad you said that about Andrew from the Wine Shuffle, David, because I was going to say after boldly predicting that Inverness's arses would collapse after conceding the first goal of the season. You of all people predicting um, a downfall of Inverness is is bold. So uh, good good luck with that one. That's why I mentioned that. It's why I mentioned the Falkirk collapse. Some other great prediction that actually came true. I'm one and one. So uh, you know, <laughs> like we're, we're going for third time lucky. Um, I'll come round you all quickly. Just looking for score predictions, Jamie. Score prediction for Saturday. One 0 vessel. Reese. Um, two one Jags. David. 2-1 Fissel, Snedden to pull off five Lev Yashin saves and then trip over his shoelaces to let the, let the goal in, uh, but we still win 2-1. I'm going to back Jamie up with a 1-0 Fissel. So we're all going for tight Thistle wins on Saturday. Fingers crossed that will be the case. David, you were at Mary Hill FC yesterday for the Mary Hill Legends team taking on Thistle Legends. Do you want to tell us a bit about your day yesterday? What was it like there? Yes, it was a fun wee day out. It was more like a sort of family fun day atmosphere. There was lots of, you know, uh, lots of older Fissel fans, younger Fissel fans, lots of parents taking their kids along. There was face painting. 
I tried to convince James Kearney to get his face painted as a tiger, but sadly it didn't, we didn't pull it off. Um, it, was a, it was a fun game. Uh, you got to see a lot of the legends. So um, Kenny Arthur, Alan Archibald, uh, Rousen, Jerry Britton, uh, Danny Lennon. Um, Ian McCall was advertised as playing and then just decided he couldn't be bothered. And he was the manager for the day, which basically consisted of him taking the piss out of Jerry Britton for most of the game. So it was a fun wee day. One, one uh, I think my star man um, of the day was absolutely Fissile debutant Brian Welsh. Uh, fulfilling the prophecy from his uh, T-H-I-S-T-L-E song by finally getting a game for Fissile. Pulled off some uh, some not bad wee plays. Sadly, didn't get the goal, but, um, you know, for the sake of getting interviews to the club down the line, I see he was 10 out of 10. Um, absolutely stalwart. You should look to see him in the, uh, in the squad against Kilmarnock on Saturday. Um, Alan Archibald elbowed someone in the first half, and it, it was beautiful. It was a charity game, gave him a wee condescending pat on the back. And then um, someone halved the other um, Fissile centre-half and gave him a condescending pat on the back in return. And Kenny Arthur lost his shit and looked like he was going to square go him. Uh, that was fantastic. Kenny Arthur actually put in a, a fantastic a fantastic game. <laughs> Great of account of himself. And the weekend we were both doubting all of our goalkeepers. Kenny Arthur stepped up to the plate. Was, I, won, I won that, that position against Kilmarnock. Sadly... Um, he he fell to the Fissile keeper curse at the moment when he absolutely done his knee in at the end of the game uh, and like was on the deck as a guy tapped in an equaliser um, to take it to penalties. But we won the penalty shootout um, with James McKinstry, um, Banjo, in goal, seemingly as a centre-half, with a penalty shootout heroics to save us. And we won the Sean Graham Trophy. It's the first time I've ever seen us lift a cup. It was, a, it was my 1971, Matt. Um, highly recommended. A good wee day, cheap pints, and a lot of people turn up for Mary Hill. Um, a good wee club, and yeah, definitely, I'd, I'd definitely suggest the next time they do it. It's it's a good day out. Superb. Glad you enjoyed it. As a wee tonic to the hangover, I'm sure you had after the car journey back on Saturday. We'll move on to Partridge Thistle. And um, this week, I'm going to ask you all what conspiracy theories you believe in. So, David, I'm I'm going to guess you're the one that's going to believe. Maybe the wildest thing out the out of the three of you this week. So David, I'll come to you first on this one. What conspiracy theory do you believe in? See, yeah, I, I you'd absolutely lump me in as being proper into the five G and aliens and all that. But no, I I used I used to quite enjoy like uh, surfing the David Ike forums when I was younger because I found it incredibly funny conspiracy theories. I just thought it was just just hilarious. And then it kind of just lost its luster and it wasn't really very funny when they were just like you know endangering me and my family with their anti-vax nonsense. So surprisingly, I'm pretty conspiracy theory free, but I do love a good, he's no actually deed. That, that's my sort of conspiracy theory. You know, your two packs, he's released nine albums since he's like <laughs> been deed. Um, that's what I think. Um, Alex Jones of Infowars, um, I am convinced is Bill Hicks doing a bit. They look exactly the same. And, um, and if anyone here knows Bill Hicks, a great comedian, whatever, it's absolutely a Bill Hicks bit. He died in like, the 90s, just disappeared for a couple of years, and then Alex Jones conveniently turned up. So Alex Jones is actually Bill Hicks doing a 20-year-long bit. That's my conspiracy theory. Here, you said that you're into folk who are dead, not being dead. Have you heard of the J. Lloyd Samuel one? I have not. Oh, Oh, so, right, I'm, I'm no, no way saying I believe this, right? But like J. Lloyd Samuel, the ex-Villa and Bolton left back, 
died in a car accident like four or five years ago. But every so often you just get folk on Twitter like posting pictures. Or here's J. Lloyd Samuel in Birmingham Town Centre. <laughs> pictures of J. Lloyd Samuel. And folk, like, there's like a, a wide following of folk that are convinced that J. Lloyd Samuel like, just crashed his car for like the insurance money. And again, I'm definitely not saying I believe this, but you do get lots of pictures from people online <laughs> saying here's J. Lloyd Samuel cutting about. So. Uh, that's, that's great. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, that's my night sorted. I was <laughs> looking up J. Lloyd Samuel pictures all night. Obviously, a, a tragic, a tragic death, but it's, it's wild some of the stuff you get about him. Um, Reese, what about you? What do you believe in? As David said, like I love conspiracy theories. Um, and I don't, I'm struggling to even think of any that I believe, but I love listening to them. And same as what you've said, like see ones where oh this guy's this guy died and he got replaced with a stunt double and all that. I love shit like that. Um, I'm not saying I believe this either, but one of the best ones that I that I've read, I think it was the Beatles. And there's a mad story that like Paul McCartney died or something, and he got replaced by a stunt double. And if you listen to the end of one of their songs, you can hear him saying Paul is dead, or, and like he's he's not wearing shoes in one of the album photos, and there's they're surrounding a grave and all that. Like it's mad when you look into these things, and you can obviously see why people believe it. And <laughs> as you've already said, I'll probably spend my night going having a wee swatch of that J that J manual. I was about to say J. Manuel Thomas. I don't even remember the guy's name. <laughs> J. Samuel or whatever. Yeah, I'll have a look at that as well. But I, I'm struggling to struggling to think of one that I believe in. The the, the McCartney ones are good one, Reese. Have you seen the the Avril Lavigne one? Oh, this is my favourite episodes. Uh, Can we just do this? Can we get Tom uh, Hosey on for like an hour uh, and talk about the McCartney episode? I've definitely seen it. The Avril Lavigne one's as good as the McCartney one. It's very good. So. Uh, Jamie, I'm I'm going to jump in before you because I've got a Doctor Who one this week and I, I don't want you to steal any Doctor Who part. So I'm going to say my conspiracy theory, it's not as exciting as anyone dying or in, but my conspiracy theory is the BBC are trying to silently destroy Doctor Who. They they don't care about it. So they put out like a trailer that contained absolutely nothing about two months ago and then since then, absolute radio silence. We don't know when the new series is. We know that there's going to be a special next year. We don't know any details about the series. We don't know any details about anyone who's replacing big names who are leaving the show. And I think that they aren't saying that they want it to sort of crawl away and die in a corner, but that is what they would like to happen to it. So that's my conspiracy theory. The BBC are trying to kill uh, one of their big money makers. So, Jamie, sorry if I've stolen some Doctor Who um Ah, uh, don't worry. I wasn't going for Doctor Who this week. That's just oh. my usual usual cop out when I can't think of something. I, uh, I've heard I'll, that. Um, I heard that all the videotapes in new series are in a shed in Nigeria. That's what I've heard. Ian Levine's on the hunt now, on horseback looking for them. I've got my own conspiracy theory that the SFA have some sort of secret agreement that they'll never allow Fisto and Elgin to play each other, just to annoy both sets of fans so they can't take off the away day from the forty-two. I mean, I'm I'm completely on board with my own conspiracy theory there because I don't see how we haven't played each other. It's got to be true. Um, also, I'd, uh, I'd love a Doctor Who one as well then, Matt, that everything since the end of time part two hasn't actually happened. It's just a Dallas. It's all a dream. You know, we're going to wake up and it's just going to be in the TARDIS after David Tennant, oh, the 10th Doctor regenerated. It hasn't happened yet. I'll maybe let season five in there, so... Maybe after the Pandora opens, or one of those two. Nothing's happened after it. I've got another one. It's not really. I, 
sorry. It's not really like a conspiracy theory, but it's one of these ones. It's, somebody pointed out to me the other week. It was like, do you ever see like how like you think that a football team plays each other all the time? Like Man City are just constantly playing Shakhtar Donetsk. He's like, I've got a reverse one. Fissel never play Arbroath at Furhill. And I was like, it is true. We've only played them once since we, we came back up, obviously because of the whole COVID thing and that. But we just, we've never, we've been in the same league for them now for quite a wee while. Obviously, we were out it last year. But over the last two years, we've only played them at Furhill once. It's mad when you, obviously, you know the reasons behind it, but when you just leave it at that, it's quite funny. I do love the idea that, you know, we all talk about how the old firm, they microwave the balls in the, in the Scottish Cup draw so that they don't ever get drawn together and they all get, always get a good tie. I like the idea that they are microwaving the balls, but they're doing it for Fissel and Elgin just so they never meet. I, I quite like that. Ian Maxwell, is, we, we need answers to Maxwell. Get him on. Superb. As always, thank you for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. We'll be back next week to have a look back on our home, hopefully win, against Kilmarnock and a look ahead to our Sunday away trip to Starks Park. I've been joined by Jamie McDonald, David Forrest and Rhys Haldane. Stay safe and buy a season ticket. <laughs>